everybody. Welcome to episode 56 of the Snake in the Draft podcast. In this episode, I have Drew O coming on. You should be following on Twitter at DFBeanCounter. He's the creator of the Bulletproof Prospect series, and you can check out his work on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash DFBeanCounter. Uh, and that's Bean Counter. I uh, just uh, said that wrong. So today we're going to be continuing the series over the 2021 Rookie Class Outlook, and now we can work on our player evaluations of the rookies. So welcome, Drew. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you come on. You're the first person that is what I'd call someone who's on the analytics side of the film versus analytics debate, which honestly, I, I think we could both agree that it's maybe a little bit of both. I know we're going to talk about that a little bit, but probably you're definitely a bit way heavier analytics side, correct? I would think that would be correct, yeah. <laughs> I'm here you know, on the show here. <laughs> I know, right? And uh, I definitely, I personally go towards analytics in that I am more of a numbers person. That's always made more sense to me. I think numbers are harder to, I, some people that are listening to this, like film will rip me to shreds, but I think numbers are a little bit harder to, to like trick yourself into thinking that it's something that it's not. Uh, and and uh, we'll get into this more before I keep talking about stuff I don't know a ton about because Drew's the expert here about analytics but one question i ask every guest which is what is one hobby that you really enjoy doing that does not relate to fantasy football it's a tough question i don't really have hobbies anymore my life is pretty much uh kids work and fantasy football nowadays yeah. <laughs> uh, i used to be a bit of a movie buff though so i'll go with that one okay what's uh any recent movies you've liked because i've been trying to find some more recent movies or just anything <laughs> you know what uh Strangely enough, my wife and I have been watching the Jurassic Park series over again because okay. my son is getting old enough to get into it. He's not old enough to watch those movies, but he got our interest peaked in it again. So we're we're rewatching it. We just finished the second one last night. So okay, nice. Yeah, I. Oh man, I'm gonna get ripped apart for this. I don't think I've ever just sat down and watched the Jurassic Park like the originals. I've seen the newer ones, but I have not just sat down and watched the originals. So I feel like you're gonna tell me I need to go do that like ASAP, like right after this. Yeah, we should actually just pause it and you go right now. Okay, yeah. So three hours later, <laughs> no, <laughs> probably longer than that, but uh, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. So um, with let's go into like the player evaluation side of things. So if anyone follows you on Twitter, they know big analytics guy, you do great threads. Also, I want to say, uh, that's something that I really enjoy is reading through threads. Cause I feel like it shows so much more. And honestly, like everybody jokes around the interaction side of Twitter and that threads don't get as much as the quick one up saying something does, but it just provides so much value. So do you also utilize film in your evals and what's your process for evaluating players? Um, I don't like, I don't watch football from a film perspective. I, I have no knowledge of what to look for. Even uh, I do consider film though. Like, I don't think that it's a uh, black box and has no value by any stretch. I, I tend to rely on, you know, the film community to tell me who is good and who isn't. Yeah. I use analytics more from a uh, cast your net perspective. So I want to figure out which players have the highest probability uh, chance of being successful in the NFL. And then I use the opinion of film people to tell me who's the best of my tier. So if I have mm. six bulletproof players that all have, you know, roughly the same odds of success. And then I have all the film community telling me, well, that guy's actually the worst one. <laughs> I'm not going to put him at the top of the list. Then he's going to be at the bottom. Nice. They're all telling me that's the best one. So he's going to probably be at the top of my list. 
Yeah, so thinking back to one of your more recent posts about like the running backs, so that would mean I think it was like Cam Akers, Swift, Dobbins, and JT were your bulletproof prospects from 2020. Correct me if I'm wrong, but with that, you probably had like JT number one because you know the film people were saying he's number one, and I bet he looked great on analytics standpoint as well, right? Uh, I had JT uh, number okay, so we'll, we'll split it into pre draft and post draft. Pre draft, oh. I had Dondra Swift was my number one, like. He's yep. in a different tier than everyone else, in my opinion. And then I had three players, uh, Akers, JT, and Dobbins, basically all in the same tier. I didn't have a strong preference between one or the other. They were all all the same guy to me. At that point, I, I didn't really have a rank. I didn't care who was, who was ahead of whom. After the draft, I actually bumped Akers to my 101. And it had nothing to do with film people telling me that JT was better or Akers was worse or Akers was better. It had everything to do with the situation. And the Elliott Ram situation, I felt like, was easily the best situation for any of the running backs to land into. So I just put him at number one. And the thing that I find – it's funny you bring up Jonathan Taylor – I, I really like Jonathan Taylor. Like, I, I think he's a good player. Are you sure, Drew? Because from what I see on Twitter, you hate the dude. No, I'm just well, playing. No. That's the thing. Every, it seems like everyone else thinks he's this once-in-a-lifetime type prospect. And, like, he he had – like, the stuff that I look at, he is no better than any of Dobbins or Akers. They're all exactly the same. So I, I appear a hater, but I'm really not. I really like him. He's a very good running back. He's just no different than Akers or Dobbins. Yeah, and I think honestly, like the whole generational talk, like it doesn't matter for fantasy football. No, not like, at all. That's just how I look at it. And whenever I see it, I'm just like, guys, it's not that important. We can look at stats about anybody and we can find great moments and we can find bad moments. Like let's all like it's it's not super important. But I I I mean, you must be feeling great about Cam Akers then now with you know this sort of end of season with the snap shares going up going into twenty twenty one. I mean, uh, relieved is maybe the best way to put it. <laughs> I I honestly expected point. this to happen by like week three. Like I, I just didn't think Daryl Henderson was a, an obstacle. And I thought Malcolm Brown was exactly what he is. He's just a guy. Yep. And then he got, Akers got hurt and things went off the rails. And then finally, towards the end of the season, they're like, okay, you know, Cam Akers, you get to, you get to carry the ball all the time now. And he's been pretty excellent in his small samples throughout the season and he's been really good at the end of the season so i uh, i'm feeling relieved (laughs) awesome yeah so uh going a little bit off topic what is your favorite book that you've read or books my favorite book uh, i really like the the dan brown series like the the da vinci code by dan brown and those types of books Uh, i'm i like ones that are clever and kind of adventure if that makes sense yeah and then um, I, I got kind of a weird one for you. I, I found this book series called The Utterly Uninteresting and Unadventurous Tales of Fred, the Vampire Accountant. Okay. I'm a, C, I'm a CPA, so I was looking for a book, uh, like a, a novel about something about accounting, just so that I could say that there is one. And I came across this and I was like, what a ridiculous title. Like, this thing must be terrible. So I like downloaded the preview and I read the first, I don't know, 15 pages or whatever they gave you. And I was like, this is pretty, pretty fun. It's like this crazy book about vampires and werewolves and zombies and wizards and witches and whatever, like all the fairyland creature stuff. 
Yeah. It's fantastic. Like this guy who wrote it, his name's Drew Hayes, which is, I mean, he's got a great first name, so it's already <laughs> starting off on the right foot. But like the way that he writes is just, it's enthralling. Like it's, he, it's fantastic. I have no other words for it. It's fantastic. All right. I'll have to add that to the list. Uh, one book series I'm reading right now, which uh, actually Kane from Twitter, uh, Debbie Kane recommended was uh, the Culper Ring series by uh, Brad Meltzer. Okay. Uh, halfway through the first book and it's it's definitely interesting it's been i've been having the weirdest sleep schedule where i like get ready to go to bed around 11 and then i end up reading a book till like 12 and then going to bed and it's been funky for me recently i'm used to going to bed at like 9 p.m i'm an old grandpa <laughs> so uh uh but yeah it's it's a very interesting series uh he he did a way better job explaining it. it's pretty much there's this culper ring which is like this ring that helped george washington back in the revolutionary days and they're still trying to help the president type of thing that's sort of the the very vague synopsis which i'm not even that far into it but oh, yeah. so far it's good and i like that you like read a chapter in like two minutes the chapters are like ah, eight pages which is actually pretty awesome. nice yeah, yeah it'd be an, an easy spot to stop right yeah, it does. It really does. Uh, I will say they do have some, uh, you know, those little cliffhangers. So that makes you read a couple more chapters in. But anyways, going back to fantasy football, one of my favorite Twitter threads that you did stated you only draft players with a track record of success in college, and then you only keep those that impress as rookies, no exceptions. So with this process, I really like that you use ADP. Are there any 2020 rookies that you have as a sell going into 2021? So potential options could be like Jalen Rager, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Jerry Judy, Tua, Henry Ruggs, Zach Moss. You know, all those guys are some names that everybody's thinking about that they've disappointed them. So are any of those names sounding like players to move on from now just based on their value change? Uh, yeah, let, let's uh, let's talk about all of them. So uh, first up, like, I guess this all kind of starts with my process, right? Like my, my uh, prospect grades. So these players, like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I gave him a maybe grade last year. I'm, I'm currently actually revamping the way that I'm doing the running back grades. He's going to end up a coin flip, which, so let me back up for a second. I give players a grade and that grade kind of indicates their likelihood of success. So there's bulletproof players. They're like 70 to 80% uh, success rates. And then I have, coin flips which is around 40 to 50 percent and then i have maybe players which are around 30 percent 25 to 30 and then i have bus players which are in like the 10 to 15 percent uh hit rate kind of zone so Clyde Edwards last year i gave him a maybe but this year it looks like in my new process he's gonna end up with a coin flip so he's you know 50 50 chance of hitting a top 12 season at running back uh, I actually liked what he did this year. I thought he was way better than I was expecting. Uh, his his ADP to begin with was absurd. He was like a top 10 pick straight out of the gate. He had, his ADP was actually comparable to Saquon Barkley's as a rookie. rookie. That's, That's nuts. Completely bananas. That's one of the reasons I was completely out on Jonathan Taylor. His wasn't far from Saquon Barkley either. So anyways, Claude Eversler, I think he's fine. I don't think he's going to be a superstar by any means, but I think he's a fine running back. Um, the ADP would suggest he's he's terrible, but that's because his ADP was inflated to begin with. Uh, we're going to skip Jalen Rieger. Sorry, I, I didn't mention that to begin with. We're talking <laughs> to one of my guys, or he was anyway. Uh, Jerry Judy, I thought he was a fine prospect. He's roughly equivalent of Devonta Smith. They're okay. They're not bad. They're not good. They're They're okay. And his rookie season indicates he's okay. 
nothing nothing outrageous his adp will probably fall into that roughly the same as last year kind of range so nothing really glean from the uh from the wisdom of the crowd on that one henry ruggs he was a terrible prospect and he had a terrible rookie season and i have no interest in rostering him anywhere uh, i would be selling him for anything i could get if i get a third round pick for him right now i'd do it in a heartbeat this class is stacked third round picks are going to be valuable and he ain't it uh zach moss i don't mind zach moss as a prospect i had him roughly the same as david montgomery we just saw david montgomery go off at the end of this season zach moss has that potential i think he's not you know he's not in the echelon of jonathan taylor cam Akers, or jk dobbins but he he's okay uh if if he ends up in the right situation with a bunch of volume he'll probably do all right but uh from an adp trends perspective i suspect he's probably gonna lose a little bit of value which means the wisdom of the crowds are not going to be in his favor. Uh, I'd be fine moving him for, you know, market value wherever he's at. So I skipped to one was Jalen Rieger. I want to quickly talk about Jalen Rieger because I've been developing this new, uh, new process for sophomore players. They're for like rookies that have played their rookie season, essentially extending their rookie grade. And it's called, I just been doing sophomore comps. So I take their, the rookie grade for me, like my prospect grade on them, plus a couple different metrics like uh, P- PFF grade and uh, fantasy points per game and ADP trend. And I pull up their players that all kind of in that same range. When I do that for Jalen Rieger, it's kind of scary. It, not scary, scary, but not good. His best comp would be Tyler Boyd, which is, you know, a couple top 24 finishes, probably no top 12s. And then it's Brandon LaFell, Michael Floyd, Keel Harry, Will Fuller, Paul Richardson, and Marky Lee. So not exactly a who's who of fantasy producers. If I can get out of Jalen Rieger right now, I'm doing it. I've been telling my patrons to be selling them for Julio Jones or some other veteran. Because you, So here's the other thing. In that thread, I had talked about selling uh, drafting players, holding them, hoping they hit a home run. If they don't, you move on. That's kind of my philosophy. I don't typically re-roll into the rookie draft though. I find that's really hard to do. People are smart enough to not trade. You know, they, they saw Jalen Rieger was a first round pick last year. And now they're like, ah, maybe not going to give you a first. That's for sure. Could maybe get a second, but I just flipped the veterans at that point. I'm like, you know what? If you don't want Jalen Rieger, you're not going to give me a first. Give me Julio Jones. He's worth a late first. Let's do that. And that often we'll get it done. Or you, you maybe add a little to Rieger, like Rieger and a third to get Julio or something along those lines. doesn't have to be Julio, obviously. I'm just using that as an example. I think that's a great example because it's very doable as a trade. Honestly, I heard that and I was like, huh, I could actually see teams, you know, being like, you know what, why not? Because Julio struggled to finish the year with the hamstring, this and that, but he's still an amazing, talented player that could finish as a top, what would you say, probably eight wide receiver next year, maybe I- even higher top five if you look at his per game uh metrics not like his fantasy points per game well his fantasy points per game but uh once you eliminate this games that he left early he was a top three wide receiver i think last year all right his yards per run was still exceptional his everything was still exceptional the only thing that happened was he got hurt and everyone's down on him and i'm scooping him up everywhere (laughs) yeah that's a great call and that's something that i think some of those like there's definitely going to be vets especially like once we get probably what two three months into the the off season so like right around march everybody's gonna be looking to age a lot more than they probably should be 
and and giving discounts that you know people right now are like there's no way you'll get a discount on travis kelsey just wait everybody just wait wait until we're we're middle of the 2021 season and pitts is over kelsey in almost everybody's rankings just wait it's coming uh don't don't be too surprised so uh I, and I love that you mentioned, you know, sell for an actual vet. Don't don't sell for the rookie picks. I think that's a great, great, great call, honestly. So there was one player, Tua, that you haven't talked about yet. Do you have any thoughts on Tua? Yeah, I got a lot of thoughts on Tua. So this whole prosper, sophomore comp thing is all based around, we need to compare apples to apples, right? So when we're doing, or when I'm doing prospecting, I'm looking at age 18 production versus age 18 production, age 19 versus age 19, age 20 versus age 20. As you get older, the thresholds get higher because I expect that the players will do better as they're the older players. So when we look at rookie performance, what a lot of people get hung up on is Tua versus, I don't know, veteran X. And they're like, oh, he's terrible. Like he didn't do well at all. And it's like, well... I mean, two is a rookie though. Like we have to compare him to rookie seasons. He's not, he shouldn't be compared to 10 year veterans. He should be compared to other rookies. How did he perform? So when you look at, when I was trying to come up with the sophomore comps for quarterbacks, a couple of things that stood out for me were the PFF grades. They actually had very good correlation to future success, which probably doesn't come as much of a shock. So when you look at, Tua in the lens of rookie year PFF grade. So I went back all the way to the beginning of PFF and plotted all the rookie quarterback um, grades so I can compare Tua to other rookies. If I only compare him to first round picks, he had a completely mediocre rookie year, which is not alarming. It's completely fine. His rookie year grade, I believe, was 20th out of 42 first round picks. Uh, That's not bad. That's completely normal. In fact, if you were going to fade Tua based on that, you would also be fading guys like Andrew Luck and uh, Josh Allen. Kyler Murray was worse. Um, Cam Newton was slightly better. Deshaun Watson was slightly better. Uh, Carson Wentz was slightly better. Like these are all guys within like three or four PFF grades. So like Tua had a 65.4. Deshaun Watson had a 68.1. He only played four games, but this is based on a per-play basis, so it doesn't matter how many games he played. Like, he was fine. He just didn't have production. He didn't have production, in my opinion, because his his supporting cast is terrible. I don't like anybody on that team. So, yeah. Everybody that likes Mike Kosecki just, just cursed, cussed you out right there. <laughs> uh, I, I think – Yeah, I, I, I like that in that – you know, he is middle of the road, which is not bad. You know, a lot of people are like, no, I want the guy on the upper end. But middle of the road for a rookie is fine, you know, and, and his value is is tanked. Yeah. And he's very, very affordable. So I guess you're you're trying to acquire Tua wherever you can as well in like Superflex Leagues, right? For sure. I want to touch on one more because it's kind of telling as well. The other metric that I've been using so far has been uh, PFF QB rating, which is different than their grade. Tua is actually 12th out of 42 in PFF rating among rookie first round picks since I don't know, 2005 or whenever they began. So that's like really good. (laughs) That's substantially better than a lot of the guys I mentioned before his closest comparable. When you combine the two, I believe was Kyler Murray. He was virtually Mm -hmm. identical to Kyler Murray obviously has more rushing upside, which is why he was a much more valuable fantasy asset. But from a throwing perspective, like Kyler Murray wasn't a 
terrible quarterback throwing the ball. Yeah. Um, Andrew Luck was actually substantially worse in quarterback rating. He only had a 76.5. Tua had an 87.1. So like his rookie year isn't good, but it's not bad. Yeah, and they also have so many picks to build around him. And, I mean, everybody sort of talked about, you know, Deshaun Watson, what's going to happen. I, I don't expect anything to really come out of this. And I expect Tua to be the dude and probably, uh, what would you speculate, probably a wide receiver early on and may, or maybe an O-lineman for the Dolphins? Probably. I surely hope that it's going to be Jamar Chase's. Okay. For. Anything else I think is a colossal mistake. <laughs> okay. So hoping for a wide receiver, which honestly, like we think about any of this, like, that instantly bumps Tua up for most people just because he gets a top-end option. And then, you know, Parker and Williams and Kaseki will get a slight bump down. But uh, And then the running back's a very, very big toss-up. You know, they could get pretty much anybody probably in the second round if they wanted to, honestly. So, yeah, I like that. So, yeah, Tua, don't panic. You know, stay – honestly, anybody – if you can get him in a startup, which I bet you can, like after – what would you say, Drew? Like QB – probably after QB 12, like really comfortably take him after QB 12, like all day. Oh, easily. I think he's going around like QB 20 in the startup I just did. That's yeah. That's crazy. Like Oops. it's yeah, that's nuts. So yeah. Tua buy him up Rieger. I love the Julio move. All the others, like Drew was saying more, more middle of the road as in like good options for, for what they offer you. So going off topic again, Drew, what's your sure. favorite? Yeah, go ahead. Before we move on from that. When I was saying those guys are all middle of the road, those are guys I want to throw back anyway. Like, they're not superstars, so I don't want them anymore. If they're superstars, they would have showed it. They would have been Justin Jefferson or T. Higgins or CeeDee Lamb or those types. Those are the guys I want to get out of the rookie draft. If I don't get that, I'm throwing them back. If I can get another rookie pick to redraw, I'll do it. If I can't, I'll just throw them back for a veteran and hopefully win my league that year. Okay, so sort of recycle the guys like Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, uh zach moss and then what about Clyde ritzelaire though with him like with his production i it totally depends on what his cost is like the the appeal of what his situation was that drove him off to that absurd original adp is still there like he's still playing with patrick mahomes but uh if i still have to pay top 10 pricing on him i'm probably not if i can get him for a reasonable like rb 15 to 20 then yeah of course i'll buy him because he's in a good situation. I think he is a good running back. I just, I don't think that he's necessarily a top of the top of the heap running back individually. Um, so yeah. yeah, that makes sense to me. And uh, so yeah, take that advice as you will. And I, I do recommend, you know, like I think uh, even for me, like Marquise Brown is another guy that, you know, everybody's starting to go back on like a Jalen Rager, Marquise Brown, Henry Ruggs. Those guys are, three guys that I think a lot of people still have moderate value for them. And you can get probably an early 2021 second for almost all of them. I'd say probably now. Oh, uh, I think so. Yeah. And and that's a move you would make all day, especially with how deep the wide receiver class is. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Marky Brown, like he, he's got certain appeal. Like I think he's got a pretty, it's kind of funny to say with the type of wide receiver he is, but I think he's got like a high seasonal floor. Like I think he's a good wide receiver that's going to be on the field and he's going to get those long touchdowns here and there just going to give them like a probably wide receiver two floor ish this year didn't work out but somewhere around there long term but i don't see him ever being like a fantasy league winning wide receiver just based on his size alone like he's he's tiny 
which yeah. uh, you just don't see guys that size be that successful. You can see them in that wide receiver two range, but you just usually don't see them any higher than that. Yeah, now you got BMI Twitter all over you now. So <laughs> look what you're doing. No, I'm just playing. Let's 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 change gears talking about favorite sci-fi series. <laughs> I don't know that I'm really a sci-fi guy per se. Anything. But this, movie, this movie came out a couple of years ago. I was on uh I was on parental leave when my daughter was born. And <laughs> the movie theaters here, they have uh, Mummy and Me movies every gotta forget Tuesdays or Wednesdays or something during the day. So we'd go and she'd nap and I'd watch a movie. And this movie had come out that year called Alita Battle Angel. I never heard of it. It was the one that they were showing. So I went and it was awesome. We actually ended up going the next week to the same movie because it was so good. That's awesome. I'll have to check it out because like I said, I'm just I'm looking for some movies because uh, this is the last week before school starts back up for me. And then uh, then obviously everything just gets way too crazy. But all right, I'm out of that to the list. Uh, now, now we're talking about we talked about a little bit sort of hinted at it, the 2021 rookie class outlook. So where do you see it like a very large tier break in Superflex rookie drafts with how you expect the current class to shake out, which we actually should know, like it's what, within a week, we should have everybody committed to the NFL draft, right? Yeah, I think it's around there. Okay. Um, I don't really have a great answer for you on this one because I like, I don't know how to word this appropriately. I, I stick to my, my process pretty, pretty rigidly. I don't really know about tier breaks per se unless like last year there was a very clear tier break at wide receiver or at running back five right like yep. after Clyde's or or well Clyde Rousselers everybody else's first my fifth but uh, <laughs> after him I didn't care about any other running backs it was a very clear cutoff so I can give you that kind of cutoffs so for uh quarterback I have three quarterbacks I really like I think most people do I have a fourth that I'm kind of into and I have two that I'm completely not interested in uh, Mac Jones out of Alabama and Kyle Trask uh, are just not my guys. So I'll be passing on them. But the other four guys I'm I'm very into to varying degrees. Trey Lance, I'm I, – he, he's a wild card. He only played one season. It's hard to know exactly. And it was at a low level. So if you can get him for the right price, he's, he's a great dice roll. But I don't have any – be like a early to mid 2021 second for you is that what you consider the right price trey lance oh i i'd probably take him around the late first somewhere late first okay nice yeah, his, his rushing upside is gonna be pretty appealing so yeah if you can't throw very well i'll take that <laughs> nice and those first three i'm guessing are like wilson fields and lawrence yeah yeah okay and it's sorry it's not to say that that uh trey lance can't throw very well i just mean we don't really know we only saw him play for one year so if he can throw really well, he's like Kyler Murray all over again, except for way bigger. Gotcha. What do you think about like the running backs, wide receivers, maybe even potentially tied in with Pitts? So running backs, uh, this is a really weak class. It's very similar to 2019's running back class. There's probably one guy that's going to be kind of appealing, like Josh Jacobs was that year. And then, you know, Travis Etienne, maybe, I don't know. He kind of had a down year as far as what I've seen so far. Um, Najee Harris is an old prospect that didn't really do anything until his last year and a half, two years. I don't like a lot of my running back processes actually comes in the draft season. So I don't really know yet. I can make some educated guesses based on some other metrics that aren't very predictive, 
but uh, the ones that are predictive, I, I don't have them yet. So I can't really give you a good answer. That's okay. We'll have to have you come on later then. Or actually, everybody just follow you on Twitter. Yeah, that, that's what needs to happen. So wide <laughs> receivers, though, I feel like it's cool. just super deep. Wide receivers is special this year. I have three wide receivers in this class that I would have had a wide receiver one last year. And last year was a really good class. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about wide receivers. And then it's not just top end. I have another four or five that would be in the same tier as the T Higgins and Justin Jefferson and CD lamb guys. Like this class is unbelievable. Nice. So I'm just sort of trying to, and obviously I'm putting you in a hole or pigeonholing you a little bit with you saying, you know, your running backs aren't complete, but I'm guessing you would have like three quarterbacks and like three wide receivers in that first six with maybe a running back sneaking in there slightly but that's like that first like half of the first round is, and we're talking super flex here, quarterbacks and wide receivers is probably what you're predicting, right? For me, yeah, I, d- I don't think it'll go that way. I think we'll have two or three running backs in there as well, and I'll get to take the guys that I actually like a little later, which is always fun. Yeah, but, and I uh, think you're, you're making a great point in that. It's something I've been thinking about a lot more with the running backs with, you know, they're always going to be drafted higher typically than they they should be related to like what we see on analytics or even even from film perspective just because the running back position is seen as these league winner types so they're going to be pushed up so maybe trade back a little bit in the first round to get get more picks more value uh one one other question Clyde Edwards Alaire would you rank him above all these running backs in this class? I actually shouldn't even ask you that question because you haven't even done all everything yet because it's not that time. Well, I, I, like I said, I don't have the most predictive stats yet, but I do have some stuff that I've looked at. Claude Edwards-Hilaire, I believe, will be in the same tier as, or maybe a little bit higher than guys like Najee and Etienne. Okay. Uh, Javante Williams, I'm not sure where he's going to fall yet. He's a total wild card. I don't know enough about him yet. All right, sweet. He, he could actually end up in my bulletproof tier. The other two, I don't think will make it there. Well, that's exciting, everybody. So stay tuned on the bullet, uh, bulletproof tier. So just a general dynasty question. Who is one player that you're trying to roster in every dynasty you're in? Some examples for myself is like Smith Jr., players of that fashion that I'm just pretty excited about. So who are your guys or guy? Well, I'm with you on Irv. He, uh, he was one of my bulletproof tight ends a few years ago. So I, I like him a lot. Uh, Way to make me feel better. Hey, we're, we're in this together, man. Same boat. <laughs> So uh, this is a player that I wouldn't have normally said because I didn't love him when he came out uh, last year, but it's Brandon Ayuk. He is, I had him in the coin flip tier. The coin flip tier will also have guys like Jerry Judy and Devonta Smith this year, whom a lot of people think I hate Devonta Smith based on what I've been putting on Twitter. I don't hate Devonta Smith. I hate Devonta Smith compared to Jamar Chase. It's, that's why I hate you, you say a player doesn't meet X the certain tier or something, that means you hate him. Like that's how that's how it works, dude. It's yeah, you, you can't speak bad about a player, say people's expectations are overblown without people coming in at you pretty hard. Yeah. So my wide receiver process or my uh wide receiver sophomore complex in 2020, I've I've already put them up on Patreon for all the patrons, but I'll just give you a quick uh sneak peek at Brandon Ayuk's. So 
he has kind of a weird profile to begin with, but the players that he most comps to after his rookie season are Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, Juju Smith-Schuster, and A.J. Brown. So I really like Brandon Ayuk going forward. I'm concerned about the, you know, just the offense in general and him, his place in it, but I think he's a really good player at the very least. Um, And to, to give you some perspective on these sophomore comps, one that is probably the most surprising last year, I was all over Twitter, all over everything that I could be all over telling everyone that Terry McLaurin was not a good buy. <laughs> I was a hundred percent wrong. I, I failed across the board on that. And what, that's probably, that's really what drove the sophomore comps because I wanted to figure out which of these players that had poor profiles did enough as a rookie to convince me otherwise. Once I put Terry McLaurin into the sophomore comp thing, this is who he comes out with. Percy Harvin, Michael Thomas, Antonio Brown, Marcus Colson, Dwayne Bowe, Tyreek Hill, Doug Baldwin, Steve Smith, Andrew Hawkins, and Stefan Diggs. Like, I was 100% wrong. I, I did everything possible that I could to get it wrong last year with Terry McLaurin. And after seeing what he did this year and then looking at what Brandon Ayuk's comps are, I want all the Brandon Ayuk. Nice. And I like that call because Ayuk, you know, his his value hasn't increased a ton in relation to just, you know, like Debo, you know, oh, he missed a good bit of the season. We had uh, Kittle miss like the whole season. And then, like you mentioned, the situation with the quarterback is up in the air. It's a very run heavy team. Uh, I'm, I'm going to actually put you on the spot a little bit here with your uh, I made a trade and it doesn't involve Ayuk, but it involves Debo and in that I traded away Debo. Uh, what, what, man, I'm blanking on it right now. It was Debo, Mooney, and uh, Austin Hooper. And I received Amari Cooper, JJ Taylor, and Guyton. And this is like a 12 team super flex PPR, very small tight end premium. What, what do you think about that? Sorry, can you say those players again? Yes, uh, Debo. So I traded away Debo, Mooney, and Hooper. And I received Cooper, Amari Cooper, JJ Taylor. And uh, Guyton. I love it. Nailed it. Way rather have the Amari Cooper side. There we go. That's that's what we need in this world. It's just validation, man. I appreciate you. <laughs> uh, definitely felt good because, you know, it's sort of that two-for-one thing. And honestly, I mean, a lot of people love Mooney, and I feel like his ADP is going to be elevated higher than it should be. Just yeah. in relation, like, if Alan Robinson leaves, what does that team have? Yeah, so Mooney's an interesting one. Mooney actually, I can't remember exactly. I think he might have been a BPP player, like a bulletproof wide receiver pre-draft. But when he felt, I think he was a fifth round pick, that just knocks him into the bust here because everyone in the third day, like every day three pick is, there's no no good odds in the, on the third day. I feel like you're talking about so, Akeem Butler right there. <laughs> Akeem Butler was a bust to begin with. And then he fell to day three, which really made him a bust. So... All right, all right. Slightly different situation. But, uh, yeah, Mooney, I don't know. Like, I, he's fine. He's never going to be a game changer. Amari Cooper is at least – like, he is a wide receiver two floor at the very least. And he is an outside shot at a wide receiver one season, so why not? Yeah, he just needs Dak to, you know, be there next year. That's that's honestly – and I have Dak in that league too, so it's the stack right there. So, oh, so nice. you know, and, and – this is my pride and joy. I did a productive struggle. I have like the 1.01, 1.02. So it's going to be an exciting little draft year. But honestly, guys, it's not every league. There was one league I started out the season. I was using Dynasty Nerds Contender and Dynasty Rankings. I was 14th in both. 
So that wasn't good either. So <laughs> it, it, it happens, everybody. Don't don't be too sad if you're in one dynasty league and it falls apart. It, it happens. So to, to finish this out, though, who are you know some players that you think are going to be under the radar for May rookie drafts? Maybe one or two guys. Uh, I got two for you. Uh, number one is going to be Elijah Moore. He has everyone's going crazy over Devonta Smith's season, right? Elijah Moore was actually better within the context of his offense, which is pretty absurd. Elijah Moore is also, I believe, a 21-year-old early declare, or a 20-year-old early declare, which is just a whole bunch of good signs. Ultra productive, 21-year-old, or 20-year-old, early declare, everything that you, you want on that front. And then he's a little smaller, though, but We've seen small players have success in the NFL. He's not low BMI, so take that BMI Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I'm just cracking up right here. I had my mic muted, and I was just laughing. <laughs> and then the other guy, the, the guy that's actually my favorite player in the whole class in terms of value is Seth Williams. This guy, he checks every box, and he's like, I forget, he's 6'3", 215, or somewhere around there. He's a monster. He is, he's a throwback to the, the, the days of the bully wide receiver. Like he's Des Bryant all over again. And we still see that type of wide receiver having success. Like he's, he's Allen Robinson. He's Michael Thomas. He's like this big guy that just wins all the time. Uh, I've heard that his draft stock is not going to be very good though, which is wildly concerning. I thought for sure he was going to be a second round pick, but I've been hearing he might even go back to school because he's not going to be a day two pick. If that's the case, I'm not that into him. I'm very quick to change my mind. The NFL knows better than I do. If they say he's a day three pick, he he ain't that good. So we'll see if he, he if he ends up on day two though, he's going to be probably one of my most owned players in this entire class. Nice, and I, I love that you said the NFL knows you know, like more than you do because that's something I always think about. Like that's why uh, like where players are drafted is like the most isn't it like the most predictive of like hit rates in general? I'm pretty sure like Paul Howdy has said that or something, but. The NFL knows way more than we do. We just all need to accept it. We're in, we're playing a game of a game. Like You know, it's funny. I did a tweet, uh, or I did a tweet. I sent a tweet, I don't know, a month or so ago. And it was, it was quite simply, I am both amazed at how good and bad the NFL is at drafting wide receivers. Because we see these wide receivers that have no chance to get drafted early, like Henry Ruggs. It doesn't make any sense. You look at their analytical profile and you're like, there's no chance. None. John Ross, another one, no chance. Doesn't make any sense. Like there's there's all these guys that just they never had a chance, quite frankly, to begin with. And the NFL picks them early. And it's like, well, but why? And then you look at how good they are at drafting. Anybody who hits is a day two pick at back or at worst. Like the Antonio Browns and the Stefan Diggs, those guys are one in a million. Like they are so rare. Everyone that they think is good or everyone that is good, they get right. But then there's all these other guys that get mixed in there that's like, what the, like, Dante Pettis, how did this guy get drafted in the second round? That doesn't make any sense at all. You look at his profile and there's nothing to like. And I mean, it's the, like, to be blunt, it's the film side of it. They look good on film. And if they look good on film, that's great. I want players that look good on film, but I also want players that look good analytically. If I can have both, those are the ones I want. Yeah, and just to, to sort of finish it out, because we actually didn't talk about, like, analytics. So from what I've heard, 
like analytics is to reduce the number of misses. Would you say that that's how you look at it as well? Sort of like to increase your quote hit rate and to make it where you get the safer prospects. Yeah, I think that's, that's uh, pretty accurate. I, I don't think it's as good at predicting who is going to hit as it is at predicting who isn't going to hit. Okay. Um, it's, it's funny though, because like you see on Twitter or Reddit or wherever, and I'll like, I'll put out a threat. And then people are like, no, no, you're wrong because this guy, I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, you're right. That guy is, he doesn't fit with this. You're correct. You're a hundred percent correct. I'm not really worried about that one guy though. I'm more worried about the 15 guys that I didn't pick. And I avoided that guy. Like I missed out on, you know, Michael Thomas, but I dodged like 150 Michael Thomases that were never going to have a chance. So in the, in the long run, I'm way happier. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, I, and yeah, that's a great way to finish this. So awesome. Had a blast tonight, Drew. Do you have any projects that you're working on that you want everyone to go check out? Uh, yeah, I got I got a good project coming up that I think is going to be pretty awesome. Um, I I do these prospect threads on Twitter every, every year, well, for the last couple of years, just going through kind of my process about what I look at and, you know, putting a player through the process. So like Justin Jefferson, he checked this box and this box and this box and this box. And voila, he's a really good prospect. You should get him. So it's my most popular stuff on Twitter by far. This year, I'm putting together a rookie guide. So it's going to be, you know, one publication with the top 50 players, putting them all through the process. And you can see which boxes they checked, what I'm looking at, what what context I'm applying to it within uh, how I rank them. Uh, because they're like, I, I use my grades as black and white, but I, my rankings aren't black and white. Like, it's not like, like KJ Hamler was a bulletproof prospect last year. I had four true bulletproof prospects last year. KJ Hamler was one of them. He wasn't my wide receiver four. Like I, I'm not that black and white with my rankings, but I did like his profile. So when it came time to pick him, he was the guy I was picking every time. But uh, so the guy will have the context around the players and how I'm ranking them and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's probably going to come out between the combine and the NFL draft at some point. And uh, yeah, it'll be for sale. I think it's going to be pretty cool and hopefully helpful. Awesome. So yeah, I'll be on the lookout for that. Everybody else should be on the lookout for that. So again, everyone go and follow Drew on Twitter at DFBeanCounter. If you're a new listener, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to the Snake in the Drop podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's be snakes this offseason. season.